right? All right, we are recording. Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Rapp Bernard, Mike Molina, and Ralph Tobash, MD, the Hackmaster. And Darkness Dave is making coffee, so he'll be back. He's in absentia. <laughs> He's in absentia, exactly. We'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Uh, apparently, this Roy Moore just will not shut up. I don't know what his problem is, but apparently he had a big problem with Bugs Bunny and Jesus. His He's... problem is he likes attention. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Gentlemen, we're back. Tom Bernard Show. Uh, Dave, I want to ask you. Yeah. Take about a minute here and talk about Bill Engvall. He's one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to interview. Yes. I've interviewed him several times on KQ Morning Show. Just the nicest guy in the world. This guy. What people need to understand, and I don't think they do understand, that blue-collar comedy tour. Right. Uh, you talked to Ron White. You talked to Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the, the, the Cable Guy, Bill Engvall. I mean, you get on the list. And those guys got so huge, that blue-collar comedy tour got so huge, they would they would all fly from their homes in to do the shows, and there would be four private jets sitting right next to one another on the on the uh, runway, uh, and of course in the parking area or whatever you call it. What do you call a parking area? Tarmac. 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 Yeah. Well, the tar- it's the tarmac. Well, actually, yeah. technically, no. That's just what everyone knows it as. Right. I read recently it's they have some other it's like the the apron or something like that. Yeah, but only like that. only like really pilots care about that kind of thing. 
But Bill But Engel, if you want to sound cool, then... Then say Tarmac? Then say whatever it's actually called. Well, whatever it is. But in any case, I mean, that's how big these guys got. It's not like, you know, Bill Engvall came out and uh, did a couple of shows and uh, then he does a, a couple of stand-up specials. It's not like that. Those guys all killed it. No, they, they were the it. rock stars of the comedy world. I mean, they definitely, they were filling entire theaters, like 40,000, 50,000-seat theaters. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. I saw, him here, at, I saw him here in Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, I remember Larry the Cable Guy right after the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, and then Ron White as well, Bill Engvall, well, all of them, Jeff Foxworthy, mm-hmm. another one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet, gives his kids and his brother's kid a ride to school every day during yeah. the school year. He moved back to Atlanta. He lives in Atlanta, I believe, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they're good guys. I, yeah, it was funny when I, joined, when I joined Podcast One. They kind of threw out a net to the different shows on the network to say, hey, we've got a paranormal radio show. Anybody interested? And Bill Ingvall was the first to respond. And he's like, yeah, i got to talk to this guy. And I had him on the show. He had me on the show and then uh, brought me back for his Halloween special. And we had just such a great time talking, and it threw me at the end. He's like, dude, you got to take my phone number. I want to go ghost hunt with you. And I, you know, I've heard that before. And he's like, no, seriously, take my phone number. Keep in touch with me. I want to go ghost hunting, and I want to see something. Let's go do this. His wife has had experiences, but he never has. Oh, his wife has had experiences. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't want to turn it into the paranormal show for you, so I, I tried to keep no. out of that for you as much as I could. But, yeah, he's his wife has got... Uh, has had a couple of experiences, but he's he's just truly one of the nicest guys out there. Uh, just really so he kind. Lives in and, Utah, yeah. Is, yeah. is he from Utah? No, no, he's from the South somewhere. I can't remember where. I want to say it was like Alabama or something, but I can't. It's it's one of those southern states. Park City is well, tough must have place moved to take. Pretty young, because he has a pretty faint accent. Yeah. Unless he, you know, consciously worked on getting rid of his accent. Well, he's got a, you know, he's do. got a. a a lot of entertainers will have just that slight accent to kind of pull in. Yeah, Larry, yeah. but that's a character. That's what I think uh, Bill was referring to when he said, you know, I don't think I could get yeah. out there and put a caricature on. Have you ever seen any of the video of Larry before he was Larry the Cable Guy? Oh, yeah, yep. You can go on, on YouTube and see video of him when he was just a regular stand-up, and it's not as funny. It's playing up that hick, hillbilly goofiness that made him explode so much as he did. Bill's from uh, Galveston, Texas. There it is, yeah. Oh, he's from Galveston? No, that's yep. probably why his accent is so faint. Yeah. Yeah, probably. A lot probably of Texans. True. People assume, when they think Texas, they think like thick southern accent, but that's not really the case. That's more like of an Alabama, Georgia, you know, kind of thing. I just think, you know, you, you got four guys that got together. It was just, it was just four. There wasn't another guy, was there? Was no, just the four of them. And then no, Ron White would ditch out once in a while, and it would just be the other three. Yes. Yeah, Ron White would. No, he bought his own jet. I know that. Last time I talked to him. He was talking about, uh, Ron White was talking about the fact that he bought his own jet. And uh, he's an interesting guy. Ron, yeah. and Ron is a, has always been very, if there's one guy that's not all that friendly to the average person would be, it's not that he's mean to anybody, but he's kind of standoffish. Mm. But he's one of the nicest guys in the world. You want to talk to him. He's just a very, very nice guy. Very funny guy. All four of them are very, very funny. Actually. Next time you talk to him, you should ask him about his haunted house. I believe uh, he has a haunted house that he lived in or still lives in. Was that in Texas? I, I don't know. I, a mutual friend of ours, uh, somebody I know and he knows, was telling me about that. He goes, if, if you ever talk to Ron White, ask him about his uh, haunted house. It's crazy. I guess he's had, like, experts come in and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, he moved He moved from one state. I think he was living in Texas, but he moved because of some law 
I can't, you know, looking at that <laughs> Can't story, marry your cousin or what? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 I was actually signed to protect a family members. I can't remember what wow. it was, but but he got very, very upset with the state in which he was living. And he, he moved out of the state. Hmm. Yeah, he just he got very, very. But he these guys, the reason I find them so funny, whether it's Foxworthy or Larry the Cable Guy, it's Bill Engvall. Or, you know, it's Ron White. They talk about real life and real things that happen. I mean, when Ron White got on stage, he would have a cigar and he'd have a drink. And it was not fake, by the way. No. Bourbon usually, wasn't it? Scotch. Scotch, yeah, yeah, that's what it was, scotch. Scotch? Yeah, he drank scotch. Yeah, it was scotch. scotch, And he'd walk on there. But, I mean, he would just start talking about uh, his his house and his wife. He talked about real life. And it was very, you know, he said he got married. And he gets a call one day from his wife saying, hey, uh, uh, that dryer you bought me is a piece of crap. It doesn't work. He goes, what are you talking about? It's a brand new dryer. Well, she says, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't heat up. I don't know what the problem is. He says, so I'll tell you what. What I did was I went home that night and I went downstairs and I looked at the dryer and there was nothing in it. And uh, I pulled out the uh, lint uh, screen. It looked like there was a couch cushion in it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just picture that. I mean, that's yeah. that's the whole thing. You can picture what these guys are talking about. Uh, people have been asking uh, about this, so I do want to uh, point a couple of things out here. That uh, um, Oh, God, I just lost my place because I just got another question. But we're already on WBHR in St. Cloud, have been for about six months uh, now, doing a just loving that. KVBR in Brainerd. But today we had KDAL in Duluth, Minnesota. And the fine people of the... Well, the fine people except for Sean. That's the one guy. No, he's a great guy, actually. But uh, this is our first day on uh, KDAL in, in Duluth. Love that city. We go up there. We have been going up there every year now for our whole lives, to tell you the truth. Matter of fact, when I first kind of started making an okay living, I took my entire birth family up there. My mother and my brothers and sisters and everybody, we, we went up on a train, which I wanted to do this year, but they don't have a train anymore. But we went up there to Duluth. Uh, we went up to Duluth, and they had Bentleyville. You guys know what Bentleyville is? Oh, is that where they do all the lights? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm telling you, it was so packed. They're going to have to charge admission to it because it's free. That or make it like five times the size. Is because it is huge already. Yeah. But seriously, it was so packed, you had a tough time getting around. But you got free cocoa. You got what else? They give a bunch of free stuff. Free Kathy. popcorn. Free visits with Santa, Mrs. Claus. Um, just yeah, music, all kinds of stuff going on there. It is. It was wonderful. So another one of my favorite cities. Obviously, you know, Minnesotans love Brainerd and they love the St. Cloud area, but uh, they also love Duluth. And and our family spends a lot of time up there. Love going to Duluth. What was that place we, we stayed at? Lakeshore Cottages? Uh, yeah, Lakeshore Inn. Lakeshore Inn. Yeah. Really nice. It's up in two harbors. So uh, tip of the cap to everybody up in Duluth, and I hope you enjoy the show. But it's our, our first day on KDAL in, in Duluth, AM and FM. So uh, we're building. It's becoming a bigger show, which is very, very cool. I love the fact that it's not only digital, but it's also a terrestrial radio show that's going to keep growing as time goes on, so thank you to everybody. Like I said, the uh, Gary Hoppy down in St. Cloud was one of the first believers, and and then uh, I mean you go down the list. It, it's just hey, can we do a grassroots really effort here, Tom? Can can listeners around uh, Minnesota that are tuning into the podcast and the stream can they contact local radio stations in their town and, and let them know they should carry the show? 
I would think so. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Um, you know, well, Doc Ketchmark kind of did that up in up in the uh, Moose Lake area, up there, and now he he can hear it on KDAL, which is very very cool. But um, yeah, I mean Danny up at KVBR and Brainerd, that's another guy. What I want to start doing, and see if you guys have any interest in doing this. I mean, if we're going to go on uh, on ghost hunting tours and all that stuff, what I want to do is go from city to city in the in the summertime. You know, maybe one every six weeks or so or every month or so just go to one of our different affiliates and do a show from st cloud from brainerd from duluth and there are several other uh towns that are looking at the show right now and we're probably going to be signing on with them but i would there's nothing more fun than doing a live show from one of your affiliate stations it's just a great time so you know danny wild up there i talk kvbr brainerd would be a great place to do a show anyway you know the, i don't know if you guys know this or not but it's kind of a resort area it Fancy. It's very nice up there. Maybe Ralph and I can <laughs> carpool up there. We can take the top off the Jeep in the warmth of the summer months and come on up there and see it. That's right. Take, That's a good take idea. It in. That'd be That's good. A that'd be, that'd be, that would be good fun to be up up and around and uh, see see the listeners. That'd be, that would be a, a fun, fun time, I'm certain. I mean, it's always been interesting doing the Vegas trips and whatnot when I've gone. It's, you know, it's very cool. Yeah. It would be good fun. Indeed, we'd have, we'll have a really, really good time doing that. Uh, although I will tell you this, about 25 years ago, the KQ Morning Show did a show from Duluth. We went. To, it was called an Up Up North Christmas. We went up there and did a show the week before uh, Christmas. This is like 25 years ago. And Bob Sansevier doesn't drink, right? He's not a drinker. For some reason, he decided on that trip that he'd drink, right? Great. So Sandy's laughing up a storm. He's having a great time. And I got there a little later than everybody else. Because I had, you know, I actually work, unlike those guys. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can feel me. But in any case, I got there, and I walked up to the table, and I'm going, Sanny, what are you doing? He goes, what do you mean? I said, you don't drink. What are you doing drinking? He goes, ah, F you. <laughs> <laughs> Only he didn't say it that way. He uh, he came out full force. Yeah, yeah but no, I'll tell you what, it's it's great. Yeah, and he was, he was, into, the gum, he was into the gummies out there in Vegas, I remember. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, allegedly. Oh, that's right. He ate the frosting. Oh, that's right. Oh, he ate the frosting. That's right on the cake. Did you see his his daughter was on the news yesterday? His his youngest daughter, eight year old. Yeah, no, his youngest daughter, Sienna, got uh, got a new cell phone, and it's one digit off from the Minnesota Vikings ticket office. So people have been calling her like crazy to get tickets, and she's had to respond to that and, and take field phone calls for him. She's changing the number because on the, the show this morning, Bob said, yeah, there's only one numeral, and they look the same. I said, so basically you just told everybody it's either a three or an eight. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Bob. Oh, Bob. Way to go. We'll be right back. Part two coming right up. Tom Bernard Show. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your My Pillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one MyPillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at MyPillow.com, keyword KQRS, or call 800-694-2056. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. 
and neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Drinking again, I'm having a view. What are you playing? Drinking again. <laughs> I knew it. I'm thinking of when. I saw us in the piano bar in Duluth. You did? Yeah, that's what, that's what I was seeing that, with that music. Piano bar in Duluth. I like that. Piano bar in Duluth at, the, the, at Fitgers or wherever. Yeah. That works for me. Um, you guys, I, I heard you during the break. You were talking about uh, better late than never. Yes, with uh, Shatner and who else is on it? It's, it's, it's Henry uh, Winkler, Foreman. Henry Winkler, George Henry Foreman, Winkler. Uh, William Shatner, and Terry Bradshaw, and then this and Jeff, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, Jeff Day or something like that is this comedian's name that goes with him. What I have not seen it. I've seen the promos for it. I've not seen the show. Is it a good show? I love it. it to me, it's funny. It's it's kind of a grumpy old men on the road, but they're not playing characters. They're themselves. And as Ralph brought up, you, you can tell there's some scripted elements to it. But they keep trying to right. put them in places where they're going to be the odd fish, you know, and uh, they, they just take them in to try new cultures. And Terry wanted to connect with his Viking heritage, so they took him to Sweden. And there was a Viking ritual party that they went to, and they had to do all these different tests. And 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 Bradshaw's failing miserably through it. But uh, at one point, they're like, "Well, we got to You got to try some of the local fare. Got to try some of the local food." So they bring out the cans of lutefisk. No, it's not lutefisk. It's that's uh, right. It's but that I can't it, preserve Viking uh, fish. That's, yeah, yeah. But it's basically lutefisk, right? Isn't that the same thing? Stinky fish that they they no. This is this ferment. Is, this is a fermented product yeah. that has. A, you don't mean surstroming, do you? Yeah, yes, that's, that's what it's it. called. Yeah. Oh God, surstroming is <laughs> Brad, yeah, one of the worst things on earth. Bradshaw it? opens it's it up. It's literally fermented fish. It's uh, oh. it's what it's so bad that. I know they won't allow it on airplanes. Right. <laughs> that, uh, that durian. They, they said when they bring out the cans, they're looking at it, and Bradshaw goes, it looks like a can of tuna. How bad can it be? And they give him the can opener, and he oh. pops it, and the juice sprays on his shirt. Sprays, And he yep. starts gagging, oh. and he has to get off camera, oh. and he's like dry heaving, and he's walking around going, it's oh. following me. And then he goes, it's on my shirt. It's in my hat. Oh. And, uh, That's it. and what's great is there's a scene where Shatner just pops one in his mouth. He's talking, and to his credit, he'll try everything on these shows. It's great. And he just reaches in, he takes the fish, and he's talking, he just pops it. And then they pan over to one of the cameramen, and the camera guy just starts hurling right there. And then he grabs another one, and he starts chasing Bradshaw down. Mind you, Shatner's like 88 years old. And, and yeah. he chases Bradshaw, ends up hitting the ground. He goes, I'm never going to live down. I just got sacked by an 80-year-old Shatner. And he's trying to, <laughs> trying to make him eat the, the fish. But it was uh, oh, it's a great show. It's so but, fun to watch them interact with each other and interact with the people that they come in contact with. But that's a standard YouTube challenge is to open the can and eat a piece yes. of it. Yeah. A lot of vomiting. Yes, a lot it of is, vomiting. Yeah. Yep. It's true. I've seen people vomit just smelling it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what everybody at the table was sitting there gagging. 
during and even as Bradshaw's re, reiterating it and talking about it, and he's like in the studio doing those little in between vignettes, he'll start talking and he starts going, whoa, whoa, and he goes, I can't do this. <laughs> he just keeps stopping himself. The yeah, best that's... part is you can't eat it indoors because if any of it gets on any carpet or anything, you have to replace that carpet. It's really? like can't really? pee times a million. Yeah, they're <laughs> never getting it out. <laughs> and even the tiniest little drop. I remember there's this uh, British guy. He was one of like the original. He would eat things that have been expired for like 40 years or something oh. just to be like, oh, look, they haven't made this in 70 years or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, But then one time, because people kept sending him surstroming, and he had like this uh, triple wrapped thing of surstroming in a bunch of different Ziploc bags. And he's like, I'm never opening surstroming. I'm never going to eat surstroming. One guy in my uh, apartment building spilled some in the hallway and they had to like close off the hallway and replace everything in it because the smell would not go away. It's like the B.O. card in yeah. uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. You so we should, we should just fly place. over warring nations and drop open cans on them. Is that the deal? There you I go. like it. Yeah. I like it. That's a great idea. Yeah, no. Andy, what is it? It's fermented fish. But Ferment- it's, fi- it's fish that's essentially that? rotting. I really don't know. Yeah, I'm they- assuming because 10 trillion years ago, the only way to eat the fish was to like rot it so bad that even the bacteria couldn't live on it. Mm, I think I might rather die of starvation. I'm yeah. not sure. I think when, well, when you guys... Well, that's pretty much what all like, you know, um, acquired tastes are from, where they'll soak it in lye or ammonia or whatever. Right. They yeah. did that because... The alternative was eating bacteria-ridden food. Oh. So. I think I think we should start doing that when you guys are uh, here with us. We should uh, every Tuesday I'll bring in some strange food we should all have to try. Can you do that right before we move studios? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's when I'll that's when I'll bring in the canned fermented fish. Oh, that's how to get out of a lease. That's one way. Yeah, <laughs> and it's there's a smell we can't take it. Yeah, that can Somebody is pr- opened a can of surstroming. Yeah, surstroming is pressure. The can is pressurized. So right. when you open it, it sprays. Yeah, it, it outgasses yeah. while it ferments. Oh. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's probably like if I'm there's one food I'm never going to try, it's that. What why do they make it? I don't know. Because it's why a do they make lutefisk? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's still a tradition. Really and what do you do? You like pack it in lye and leave it out in the sun for a month or some ridiculous thing for lutefisk? Lutefisk, I think. Well, I know it's packed in lye, but I think with lutefisk, it's just packed in lye in a jar or something. Well, the um, the thing that you're thinking of is, I forget. It's hakarl is what it is. It's Icelandic shark that oh. they bury out in the sun for a month. Yes, the putrefied. Yeah, and then it putrefies and then they eat it. Yeah. Why? Yummy, yeah. yum, yum, yum. Northern <laughs> cultures, I don't know, they've got horrible, well, they, horrible food. It, it just has to do with pre- pre- preserving things through the winter. I mean, you had to do yeah, something exactly. to preserve things through the winter, and you did whatever you yeah. could to survive. And that's, well, Put that's them one outside. Of, yeah, freeze It's them. frozen. <laughs> yeah. Right? They and didn't quite understand the idea behind uh, refrigeration back then. Yeah. Well, one of the no, Apparently not. One of the most uh, important of those is alcohol. Alcohol was the one thing that you could drink and get yep. calories from through the winter uh, that was completely safe to, to preserve. And it was a it was self-preserving uh, item. So I so bought That's it. why Luke. pirates uh, were drunk all the time was because they put alcohol in their water to preserve it for the voyage. Yep. I would think that would be the drinking all the time to avoid the smell from all of your uh, compatriots aboard the ship. <laughs> it says well, there's plenty of water. You oh, could just – oh. th- I'm sure they could just, like, you know, take a – Bucket of seawater and wash it off with that. I don't think they did that often. All the time, but (laughs) says lutefisk is dried whitefish, normally cod, 
treated with a lie. The first step is soaking the stockfish in cold water for five to six days. With the water changed daily, the saturated stockfish is then soaked in an unchanged solution of cold water and lye for an additional two days. Then the fish swells during the soaking, and its protein content decreases, <laughs> and it becomes a jelly-like consistency. When the treatment is when the, when the treatment is finished, the fish is caustic with a pH level of 11 to 12. To make the fish edible, a final treatment of yet another four to six days of soaking in cold water, which is also changed daily, is needed. Eventually, the lutefisk is ready to be cooked. It turns into a semi-fluid. Well, it says it's served in a gelatinous state. I think that's enough yeah, to make me go, it's, I'm it's out. like fish jelly. <laughs> but why, though? What a weird thing, like, you know, just, I don't know, salt it or freeze it. Why do all this well, weird crap? Well, don't you look at it. See, I'm always blown away by all of these different kind of things. Like, who decided, you know, barley hops and water would create a, a, a drink and, and a beer that you could yeah. get inebriated on? Who thought, you know what, this fish might be better if I wrapped it in lye for two days and soaked it in water and then I, no, I'm going to take the lye off then I'm going to rinse it for another six days in cold water I, the, the whole idea of how they create each one of these meals is astounding to me. And Sounds like accidents gone wrong. Right, exactly. They just ate it anyway. yeah, a large number of olives that you eat are cured with lye. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you cure you put the olives in lye and it, leech, it, it leaches out Oh, the, the bitterness of it it's, they're not tannins, they're ole... I forgot the name. Yeah, it starts with OE, Olino uh, fins or something. Oleic? That, no, Oleic no, acid. no, no. It's 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 a, it's a bitterness, and it leaches out much quicker in in the uh, in the lye solution, and it's uh, and that's how they do it. That's how you get the bitterness out, and boom, olives eating them. Yeah, but that's curing, not you know. Well, that's what it is. You're, you're curing fish. Yeah, you're no, curing you're curing fish. Fish. Yeah. fish isn't fermenting. You're curing it in some chemical. But where <laughs> do they get lye? You know, in the 11th century. That's that's weird. That's strange. They uh, well lie in the 11th century. They just got out of like ash. Well, they used to, and they still ash. make soap out of yeah. lye, don't they? I think so. Lye soap. I yeah. don't think so often. But oh, I they may they may so they may they may use uh, ash with uh, a fat to make soap. So that's you know you're using that. Yeah, exactly. The other thing you, that's what it is. Yeah, soda ash, soda so ash. You guys, you guys ever see this movie, uh, The In Laws? Peter Falk, oh, Alan yeah. Arkin. Oh, yeah, Alan Arkin, sure, yeah. One of the greatest scenes in that movie is when they go to this uh, this Spanish nation somewhere in South America, and uh, Vincent, oh, God, what was his name? Vincent, uh, I cannot remember. He, he, You'd know him if you saw him, but he played the dictator, and there's a picture of him on the flag, the country's flag. It's a picture of him with a, a, a woman who's naked from the waist up, and Peter Falk says to him, Oh, is that your that's a lovely woman? Is that your wife? He goes, no, it's a prostitute from the village. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having this chicken dish. Well, Alan Arkin and the dictator are having a chicken chicken dish, and Alan goes, oh, this is delicious. So I, well, how do you how do you prepare this? He goes, first you must marinate the pollo for three weeks, <laughs> and they ask Peter Falk, would you like some? And he goes. Now my uh, my doctor told me to stay away from all marinated birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, I'm good. Yeah, I don't. I, I just if how long do you marinate something, Catherine? Like overnight? Uh, yeah, yeah. Days, right? overnight. Uh, some things maybe two days maximum. And what is the marinade? They it just sucks it into the flesh or what? Well, yeah, it's either to flavor it or to tenderize it or both. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a good idea. Richard well, Libertini. Richard Libertini, that's exactly what He played Vincent in, uh, in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's why I remind, remembered his name as Vincent. Yeah, he, he was in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. R- Richard Libertini. He was phenomenal. Yeah, he just On died Wednesday, in 2016, Pres- unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, he just died, right. Yeah. Exactly. He was a very, very funny guy. On Wednesday, Vice President Mike Pence will officially be, uh, welcome Doug Jones into the U.S. Senate, bringing to an end one of the strangest and most controversial elections in recent memory. And while Jones' former opponent, Roy Moore, is still refusing to concede the race, Alabama state election officials have released information about the more than 22,000 write-in votes. That's what beat him. Actually, Doug Jones didn't beat him. The 22,000 write-in votes beat him. That helped to dash his hopes. The man Moore beat in the Republican primary, Luther Strange, got some small revenge, beating all other writing candidates with 7,500 votes. The Guardian reports. Meanwhile, Lee Busby, a former aide to current White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who was running as an independent, won the write-in battle in at least 10 counties. Other fantasy candidates, such as Attorney General Jeff Sessions, whose seat it used to be. Uh, Jones and Moore were vying to fill it. University of Alabama football coach Nick Saban won votes, as did Lee Korfman, one of the women who accused Moore of trying to instigate a sexual relationship with her when she was just a teenager. And so did Sassy the Horse Moore. Sassy the Horse got votes, write-in <laughs> votes. That's the horse Moore rode to the polls on Election Day. Some voters vented their frustration with the race by writing in neither and any other Republican NBC uh, News reports, while others threw in their support behind celebrities, both human and animated, like Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, SpongeBob SquarePants, Ronald Reagan, and Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, Alabama election law requires candidates to be living persons in order for write-in ballots to count. Well, <laughs> they have, they def- have some standards. They have a definition in the statute that says <laughs> what's a living person, the definition of a living person. Isn't that amazing, though, this Doug Jones will be a United States senator for, what, one year? Mm-hmm. Is that, and, then he, and then he has to be reelected, doesn't he, in 2018? This year, this year he has to be reelected, right? I think so. So basically... The only reason he won, because it, it shocked the world that a Democrat won in Alabama. And they, of course, blamed it on Trump. When it, Look, I'm not a big Trump supporter or anything like that. But it wasn't Trump's fault at all. It was the fact that this guy was such a psycho, this Roy Moore. Well, he did endorse him. Well, he endorsed him at the end to try to keep a Democrat from being in there. Yeah, That's why he did it. But still. But uh, the problem you got is that the reason he lost was because of the 22,000 write-in votes, people writing... Basically, they thought he was such a joke that they made the election a joke. This Doug Jones, there's no chance he gets reelected. I will make a bet with anybody on that. I was shocked to see that Alabamians voted in a, a Democrat. They just don't do that anymore. They did it back in the 90s when everybody was hippy-dippy or whatever. I don't know. but And I certainly couldn't care less who gets elected to the Senate, the U.S. Senate in Alabama, whatever. Balance is good. See, what I like... My favorite, when you're talking about, about politics, I love gridlock. When no one can do anything. You get enough Republicans, enough Democrats, and enough independents where nobody can get anything passed and they have to leave us alone. You know what I mean? Works for me. Except for it taxes. For me, they always really. seem to maintain increasing that. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to talk, talk to all you guys, you know, Catherine and all you guys about this tax bill. 
I find it fascinating. And we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Apparently not. Apparently not. Now we can Do you guys try. want to come back now? Yeah, or? we are. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Um, Excuse me. Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again to Bill Engvall. Uh, Brett Butler coming up in the third hour. That, that'll be a great time. Very, very funny. A new group is spearheading the fight against harassment in Hollywood, and it's got a few names you'll recognize behind it. The AP reports on the Time's Up initiative launched Monday on behalf of more than 300 film, TV, and theater celebrities in the wake of the Me Too movement that kicked off after the allegations of sexual misconduct and assault against Harvey Weinstein. The clock has run out on sexual assault, harassment, and inequality in the workplace, the website notes. It's time to do something about it. Luminaries such as Reese Witherspoon, Shonda Rhimes, Meryl Streep, and Jennifer Aniston are among those taking part in the coalition. Well, as long as Meryl Streep is involved, I'm out. <laughs> You're tapping out. I'm tapping out. She knew, and I don't care what anyone says, she knew what was going on and didn't do anything about it. Right? Yep. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. I just... Jennifer Aniston knew all about it. Meryl Streep knew all about it. They, they all knew all about it. Look... I interview people who work in Hollywood. Everybody knew all about this stuff. I mean, they didn't know about every one of the incidents, obviously. But they knew this was going on. I heard about the Louis C.K. thing for the first time about a year ago. And he apparently has been doing that for years. You guys know about that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, he well, he likes to whip whip out the uh, brajul and uh, well, he liked to masturbate in front of women. Women that he didn't know. Uh, and I started hearing about that about a year ago. Um, there are a couple of people, actually, that, that I don't know how they're ducking it. 
but there's word about a couple other uh, a couple other guys that do things that's it's just I don't know. The, the the amazing thing to me about that though is that every one of the guys that got popped at first there, the Kevin Spaceys, the Jeremy Pivens, the Louis C.K., some of the most arrogant people I ever interviewed in my life. I've interviewed all of them, and unbelievably arrogant, those people. Doc, what do you think the combo... What's the combo there? The fact that these guys thought that they could force themselves on women or men, because in you know Kevin Spacey's uh, case, it was men. Um... They're, they just get that arrogant. I mean, these people literally were so incredibly arrogant, it was hard to even have a conversation. It's arrested development. I think that's exactly really? what it is. Yeah, oh, of course, because when I heard the tape of Harvey Weinstein, the, 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 the one um, the South American model, he was begging for he her. Was, to, yes. he, it, was, it was the kind of thing that you would hear, and I, I said this before, a 14- or 15-year-old boy would say to a girl, and you know, since they have arrested development, when they talk to somebody who isn't arrested, all is, is sort of you know matured, they're they're threatened, they are intimidated, and they just they they just turn into jerks because they, they have nothing to say, there's nothing to add because they're so intimidated by any intellect or any kind of maturity at all. I think that's what's going on. So I think you're giving them too so much that, credit with that. I, I really think what it is is they become <laughs> yeah. petulant children. I mean, and, and I don't so mean this in a bad way. Yeah. But you get the fact that these people are worshipped, right? They're treated yep. above the rest, above the norm. They're, they're, that's why they also they make millions and millions of dollars, but they expect everything to be given to them for free because they get in that mindset because we, the people, put them there. And, and I'm not saying that it's our responsibility and our fault, but in a sense it is. We give them this elevation that is not deserved, like sports players. I love sports. People are overpaid in sports for what they do. It's ridiculous. And if you're you're saying, yes. "Well, my body, but, my body uh, is being beaten up," then don't do it. Get, you know, become a plumber. Uh, I, I don't want to hear another guy whine to me when they sign their hundred million dollar contract how they're a slave to the team owner. But, but understand, stop saying sports. It's not sports. It's entertainment. But even in yeah, sports, it's not sports, it's in a sports, yeah, that's true. professional right. sports are entertainment. Saying. Right. Entertainment, and I think that professional wrestling had enough sense to admit that. They were the first people to say, "This is entertainment. It's not right. a sport. It's not. This is entertainment." And all those other things that might be a, it might be a comp, it might might be a competition. It's not sports. It's not sports. Entertainment. Do you remember when when wrestling they were still kind of fighting the stigma of it yeah. not being entertainment, and they took who was that Geraldo Rivera looking guy in the eighties, and he he asked one of the wrestlers. You know about it being fake, and the guy picked him up and slammed him to the ground. He goes, "Did that, that feel Schultz. fake?" Holy cow. Yeah, it was Dave Schultz, the wrestler that did that. Who was that that he body slammed? It, it's, it's, uh, he knocked Stossel, him out, right? What's his name? John Stossel? John Stossel. That's yeah. exactly who yeah, it was. Yeah, he lifts him up. He's sitting there just having a conversation. He's like, you know, is it is something about being fake and everything? And he just grabs him, lifts him in the air straight up, and bam, against the floor. Knocks him out, and he goes, does that feel fake? He didn't pile drive him. He, sl- he body slammed him? I, I think it was like a body slam. Yeah, it was crazy. Just, uh, but, but I oh, think going back with these celebrities and the mindset, I think it's just the fact that they have people throw themselves at them. They don't have to work for sex. They don't have to work for any of the stuff. It's just right. given to them, and and they become immune <laughs> to it. They, they and I'm not excusing Sorry. it, Catherine. I hope you understand. No, I, I'm, I'm just, just saying. The, the, the- when you said work for sex, it just sounded funny. Well, most guys, look, yeah, well, I'd like to know what your most experiences guys, most, are. 
Most husbands do. Right. Most. They have to, they, 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 have, to, they have to beg. Yeah. It's just, if uh, Catherine, you keep this to yourself, of course. They, yeah. they, 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 you keep the, you, know, you keep this to yourself. You know, but it is it's a kind of you have to work for it. You have to, there's a certain, a certain amount of uh, social responsibility that has to come before you know you're given access. Right. Quit playing you, with your dinghy. That's right. <laughs> but you go in as a uh, celebrity. Consortium has to be worked for. And it's just it's handed over freely. So I think they become yeah. they just they, they become entitled and they feel like well this is just part of my world now. This is I'm just used to this being the way things are, and it's not right. But in a sense, it's not wrong because when you're used to something and then I think you get – well, you know what I'm saying, Rough. You, you're raised by parents that teach you right or wrong. So you, 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 you have a perverted uh, uh, outlook do. on the world and how things should be. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Right, not me. They do, right. It doesn't make it right. That, you, know, you use the word right. Now, it doesn't make it right. It's perverted. It's, right. a perver- it's an oddity. It's, a, it's an aberrant kind of a, uh, a, uh, aberrant attitude toward things. Right, and they and that just becomes an accepted situation. So it's it's kind of like saying, you know, I don't believe, and I can't hold Meryl Streep accountable. Listen, she did what she did because she wanted to be an actress. She knew what she mm-hmm. was seeing. She did what she. What was she going to do? One person stand up, she'd end up blackballed, like you know, Daryl Hannah and uh, Ashley right. Judd and and Jennifer Jason Lee and whoever else was blackballed because they didn't want to give in to the to the system. So. Right. You know, you get to that point where I think at some point you just have to turn a blind eye because what you as one person can't make a difference. And, and the problem that I have is that, that – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. I was just going to say, I mean, I think that's where the, the breakdown comes is that these people are so out there. And that's why you have guys like Foxworthy and Engvall and, and other celebrities who are smart. They remove themselves from the Hollywood and the New York of it. And they, they put themselves in home atmospheres, and they still drive kids to school, and they go to PTA functions, mm-hmm. and that yep. keeps them grounded so that, yeah, they're still going to get attention and a lot of attention when they go out, but they're still remembering, this is who I really am. I'm not that guy on the billboard all the time. Well, and I've talked about this before. I have not done it. I do about, I would guess, three shows a year from the KQ Studios. And I have not done uh, the show from the studio more than three times a year for about 15 years now. And one of the reasons is, is not that I'm prescient or a genius or whatever, but you look around and you see things happening in the world. And I, I, I don't hire people. I don't fire people. Uh, I don't do any of those. I don't, I'm no one's boss, and I make that very clear on the air. I'm not the boss of anybody. I'm the host of the show, but I'm not the boss. I don't hire you, I don't fire you, and I damn sure don't want to work anywhere near people. There there were some people, there were three people that I've worked with, very, very dangerous. The way they thought, the way their minds worked, that if they could somehow, in some way, accuse you of something to try to harm you, they would have done it. And that's why I finally said 15 years ago, I'm not doing the show from from the studios anymore. I'm not doing it. Anybody can walk in here and accuse anybody of anything, and I'm just not doing it. I mean, you can see it coming from some of these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, There's one in particular. Seriously. If I had stayed working at the studio, I guarantee you they would accuse me of something being either, you know, being physically abusive or whatever. Uh, They couldn't really accuse me of of, of sexual harassment because everybody kind of worked around everybody else. I don't know. You could just tell there are some people and, and actors and actresses are damaged goods. I'm sorry. I don't care how good you are. To, in order to need that much attention, there's something wrong with you. Don't you think? 
Yeah. Yeah, particularly when you get to the upper echelon, and uh, and you well, will—that's what I mean. When and, you're a big and, star, and you like will that. do anything to have, have it, anything. Yep, you'll do anything. Yeah, one one thing, and I, then you turn around and go, "Oh, I've I've been I've been wronged." Well, I don't know. One thing was uh, when Josh and Ashley were involved in uh, in, in acting a little bit out in Hollywood. Yeah, the, the right. one the one thing that I did hear from an individual, you know, a sage individual, he says that it's much more difficult to give it up than to get it. And that once you oh, have sure some level of success, once you have some level of success, you will do anything to maintain that. And I and unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, people who in power have used that uh weakness of actors to get what they want or all oh, these sort of you know, special treatment in, in a variety of ways, and it's, it's not just sexual. I mean, to get special things, get in. They always want. Well, they get everything for free. They get virtually everything they for do, free. Yes. They, they can. Doesn't matter. They just mention. Oh, it just shows up there for free. So, because they they, they have yeah, that you power. And I can't, you and I can't understand that kind of life where everything is just heaped upon you and you're wonderful and look, Deborah Messing. I have such a problem with her anyway because she is so transparent. She will do anything to maintain this position that she's this higher, you know, uh, I guess, I don't know how to explain this woman. Did you see what she did with her son? What now? It's just, it's unbelievable. She's got about, I don't know, maybe the kid looks about 10 years old, something like that, 10, 11 years old. And they were at some function and they were playing the national anthem. And she had to tweet all about it. What happened is, uh, according to her, her 10-year-old son turned to her and said, Mom, is it okay if I sit down during the national anthem to protest? Oh, my God. And she said, of course, son. Sit down and, and, and you protest. You have every right to protest the national anthem. Uh, and here's the part that really got me, that drove me over the edge. So she claims that her son asked if he could sit down and protest again. Now, maybe he's a sports fan and he saw it happen and asked what blah, blah, blah. But she goes on and on about justice is in America is not for everybody and, and not everyone is treated the same. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. I, I wanted to throw up. I really did. These people have never even been around anybody yeah. other than their high and mighty friends but they're somehow because they live in Hollywood and they're I'm doing the the uh, quotation marks here with my fingers they 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 understand how people are and they they know the suffering of other people well can I play devil's advocate with you though Tom not meaning to challenge you yeah. on it but you know listen no, I just, we yeah. love Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack right they did the same thing yep. They just did it in a different way. Oh, yeah, they did. You know, so, I mean, here's yep. the deal. She has a certain level of, of celebrity, and people listen to her. As long as her message is of positivity in the sense of we all need to be treated well, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think what where, right. where celebrities go off course is when they start, um, you're stupid if you don't believe my way. You know, if you're just sharing, this is what my beliefs are, this is it, and you're giving a voice that can be really powerful to your fan base mm -hmm. and, and letting people – sometimes it, it does push people one way or another, which is weird to think, but it does. It, it's that nudge. Well, you know what? It if, does. If, if he likes this, if she likes that, she's against this, she's against that, maybe I should look into this more. And if that, you know, if that creates more advocacy and people start educating themselves, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But look, if not for Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, 
it probably wouldn't have been until the 70s when black entertainers would be allowed in casinos to stay I think you're absolutely and right. walk through. But see, did they have anything to gain at the time? No, they were fighting. They were swimming upstream. What she's doing is swimming downstream. It's completely different. You know, those guys did. You're absolutely right. But on on that case, he did it because he was a power-hungry little man who wanted control of everything. And you'll do it Frank's way or screw you. I won't play here anymore. Well, that's true. So there was a lot of bullying. And that's why I said it's kind of interesting how we will accept. You you hear about Harvey Weinstein, and that guy's a villain. You hear about Frank Sinatra, and people love him and revere him. And let's face it, he was a Harvey Weinstein. He was a... No, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, he was. It's one one thing... (laughs) No, no, wait a second. It's one thing to use your position of power Mm -hmm. to try to advance uh, something of good. But he also tried to destroy relationships and work. but but, but, uh, But Frank Sinatra did not try to subjugate somebody and use somebody. He was just trying to help somebody get ahead. Right, in that passively. Case, but he was also on the other side of it. There were people he tried to get blackballed. There were people that he tried to destroy yes. their careers. I mean, that's that's open. He's admitted to, I squashed okay. them. He, he crushed Sammy's career for a long time because he didn't agree with what Sammy was doing at the time with the drugs and the Satanism. And that's why right. when he let him into right. Ocean's Eleven, the part he gave him was as a garbage man. He's like, fine, you're in the movie, but you're a garbage man. That was kind of his little slight to Sam. But he, even though he was an advocate, and that's why I think Dean Martin and and Frank started to almost become the opposite end with uh, with Sammy for a big portion of the years. They started, started showing him disrespect right. after all those years of fighting for his rights. They started making that's jokes about point. the blacks because I think Sammy was doing stupid stuff, and this was their way of kind of... Slapping the wrists. Hmm. Dean Martin walked out on stage in Las Vegas, picked up Sammy Davis Jr. and said, I'd like to thank the NAACP for this wonderful award. I'll never forget yep. seeing that, that that video. It was pretty fascinating stuff. Do you think Frank had JFK killed? I think it's the end of the segment. We'll be right back and talk <laughs> about it in part three. Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> 